Welcome to the Scribe's Journal. I am the Scribe, host eternal. And today, introducing to you a voice that is new. So please, say hello. Speak light. Do not bellow. I... is that a poem? Yes. Okay, I get it now. I am joined today. Do you want to introduce yourself? I'm I'm the wife. I don't know how to introduce <laughs> myself. <laughs> I don't have one of those cool uh, author names because I am not an author. So yes, I am joined today by my wife, who, unlike the Violet author who is unable to join us today, and I is a avid poetry enthusiast and writer. Avid is a strong word. Well, I was avid a long time ago, but I'm happy now. So I write less poetry. <laughs> well, that's an interesting start. So today we are talking about poetry. Our prompt for this week is strike a prose, which is a bit of a dumb name, but I thought it was funny, so I kept it. But write a poem based off of a character arc you relate to or a place or piece of history from your world, but something that speaks to you from, from your writing. Uh, or it can even be a you know new piece of writing that's not based on anything, from that in particular, just something that you've come up with. So you said that you're happier now, so you write less poetry. Yes. Do you want to speak to that? Talk about your process for writing at all? Yeah, I started writing poetry because I was forced to in high school, and I resisted it. Some of us went to a high school where they forced you to do assignments you didn't want to do um, instead of homeschooling. So I, they asked us to write a slam poem, and I thought, this is so dumb. But then I ended up really liking it. And actually that slam poem that I wrote ended up being something that I performed in a lot of different locations. And that was really fun. And that kind of kicked off my love of poetry. It was also a time in my life when I was like going through a breakup, graduating high school, moving to a new city, just like a lot going on and a lot to process. And so I just started writing poetry. In my first and second year of college, I wrote a poem a day out of like a discipline almost and I was using that as I like explored the city I would notice different things and also as I like dealt with my own like identity um who am I outside of my family and outside of high school and in this new city and so it was really cool in that way and then I don't remember when I stopped I think it it kept going all the way until third year of college and then I think I just got busy to be honest yeah that's where we're at nice so for you, writing is more of an exploration of what you're feeling or processing what you're going through. And is that is that right? Sometimes. Sometimes it was. I was also fancying that I was leaving uh, secret messages that somebody would read and they would get to know me somehow. And then, you know, I realized poetry is not actually the best <laughs> realm to do that because poetry is so interpretive. And also no one was reading it. So there's that as well. Although it's still out there. Somewhere, if you can find it. Yep, it is out there. I should probably take it down, but it's still <laughs> out there. So if you can find it and read all of the secret hidden clues, maybe you can figure out who it is. Yeah, who I was. Who you were all those years, years ago. ago. Do you have any poems that you've read or written that express what poetry means to you? Or Yeah, I was in college and we went through a poetry unit. And the teacher, of course, has you like read the poetry and then go through and figure out what the author meant. And I remember getting really upset by that because we were making all of these assumptions based on how we were interpreting the text. 
And it was kind of ruining the poetry for me because the way I define poetry is you write something that is only profound because you don't add enough detail. Like in its vagueness and abstractity, that's not a real word. We make word stuff on this podcast all the time. Because it's so vague and abstract and open, it lets the reader read into it whatever they want. And I think that's what I really liked is because sometimes I would write about two geese flying in the air and somebody could read it and go, wow, this author is lonely and they're noticing two geese and they're only one person and they're not a pair and that must be what they're talking about and wow, it's so profound. But I might have just been writing about two geese that I thought were pretty and I liked that little bit of deception because, I don't know, it's kind of fun to make people think and open their mind a little bit even when you were just writing about something really mundane. But anyway, so back to the class. We, we were in this class, I was really annoyed and I just was like, we don't know what the author meant. And also, you're ruining the poetry. Like, you're assigning, well, this word means this. This is what the poem means. We're done. We figured it out. And I was like, it's not a code. It's not some code you're going to crack and find one meaning. The point of the poem is that it has many meanings, and that's why people can connect to it. And so I went home, and I wrote a poem about people tearing apart poetry. And then I went back to class the next day and showed my teacher how I felt about poetry with my own poetry. And she read it and handed my phone back to me and said, so do you want us to decode that? Or, and I was just done at that point. Does that answer your question that, on how I feel about decoding yeah. poetry? Why do you want to talk about poetry when you are self-identified as not a poet? So Describe. I should, I should back up on that. I, I love writing poetry. Most of my poetry though comes in the form of songs, less so of abstract ideas or deceptions as you're saying. When I write about two geese flying in the air, like it might be about two geese, like you're saying, I probably would have an extra layer of meaning underneath it. But I also typically when I write songs, I dive in and then pull out that meaning in a later verse and just kind of put it out plainly like this is what I'm talking about. Because I, I just think if if you're trying to get a point across, I think it behooves the artist to actually make the point that you're trying to say. And not leave it up for interpretation, because sometimes people will get the right, get the message that you're trying to get across, and sometimes people just won't. Yeah, but see, that's the fun. I have a friend who says, as soon as an author publishes their work, what they meant when they wrote it doesn't matter anymore. The author's intent is irrelevant. It is just up to the reader. And that is a bit of an extreme. I don't disagree with that. I would concur that when you release work, it's no longer yours, and that the interpretations that it then takes on and the life it then takes on is probably fuller and richer than the one that I could give it. But I think that when I write something, I want people to be very clear on what point I'm trying to make. So I don't write too much uh, vague poetry. A lot of what I do is more free verse or uh, expressions of beauty. But the reason I wanted to talk about it was because I think it's valuable to write in a variety of styles. If you just stick with writing your constant short story or novel format, you lose the beauty of what you can do with words. And poetry really allows you to play with words in a way that, unless you're writing a character who has fun with wordplay, you, you don't get to do with novels as much. That's kind of my point with this, is to kind of branch out a little bit and see how can you use poetry in your novel, and I'll get to that in a bit, but how can you take a poem that you write and apply it to a story, or how can you take a story that you have and apply it into a poem? That's kind of my point here. 
Well, this is interesting. I've been looking for the poem since I brought it up, and I may or may not find it. I didn't realize I actually was writing as recently as last year. Hmm. I made about six posts last year. Um, But it was another time in my life when I was really thinking things through and moved to a new town again and trying to wonder who I am again. So, interesting. I don't know if I'm ever going to find and I didn't find those posts. How interesting. No, yeah. Interesting. You didn't. You did initially, and then you must have unfollowed me. I I might not have ever followed you. Wow. <laughs> wow. See, this is why. This is why I stopped writing. There's no audience. Do you have any poem you've come across that you would like to share? No. Uh, no. Well, no. I don't think so. They're very, they're very morose and very dramatic, I think. It's really funny. But I wrote a lot. Yeah, I? I remember. On that note, so a lot of your poetry, from what I'm hearing, is morose? Sad? It's, I wouldn't, morose is the wrong word. It's very moody and very cynical in it. Like, very, sometimes it's, it, it's optimistic, but not as often. Are we talking, like, angsty teenager I wouldn't go as far as to say teenager. Okay. Definitely angsty. And I wouldn't even want to use the word angsty because I think, like, selfishly, I do think it's a little bit intelligent. I don't know if those are mutually exclusive. (laughs) (laughs) Hear that, all you angsty people? You are no longer considered intelligent. Don't publish that. (laughs) I thought it was profound. Some of it sounds profound, but a lot of it is just words. But that's that's kind of the point that you get at, right? Where... You write something and then it's open to interpretation as to what it might mean for the person reading. Yes. And I think I actually did see a poem that I'm not going to be able to find again, but in my scroll. What I did when I was writing a poem once a day was to try to notice little moments. And I was living in a big city at the time and I was going to college and I was going to college with people that were older than me. And I was interpreting the world different than they were. For a lot of reasons. But the one I just saw was, I had seen a friend in class who had a a cross tattoo behind her ear. And she is in no way religious at all. And so when I saw the tattoo, I just thought it was so, like, interesting Hmm. to see this person who I know is not religious, self-identified, have a cross behind her ear. And I thought about that for a while. And I ended up writing a poem about how you would get that tattoo kind of like putting a pencil behind your ear. Like when you needed it, it would be there, but you'd kind of forget that it was there. And kind of like connected that to the idea of religion or the idea of salvation even. Like just, oh, I'll, I'll, I have the cross tattoo. I'll, I'll figure that out later. I'll just put it behind my ear for now. And so that's what I was doing every day. Like I'd notice somebody on the train or I'd notice... A reflection in a puddle or, you know, it was a very rainy city that I was living in. So there's often a lot of rain or water poems. But yeah, that's what I was doing on a daily basis. Or even just trying to find, I love metaphors. I think that's why I love poetry so much is you can be so assertive and say like, my, my love is this, not it's like this. You can say it is that. And I just like the metaphor of it. So switching gears, now that you've talked a little bit about your process and writing poetry, have you seen poetry used in a novel context? Because I know you are also an avid reader. And have you ever seen it used in a, in a novel context or in a story context? And how have you seen that well or poorly done? Aaron Morgenstern wrote the book The Starless Sea. And I love that. And there's a lot of poetry in it, but it's very like... I define poetry broadly and I think everybody should. I don't think you should get stuck in thinking my poems have to rhyme. My poems need to be a form. My poems need to be X amount of lines. I know poets get flack for this because it is so open to interpretation and then people think it's easy. 
And I get that. Because in a way, like, if you split up a profound sentence into three distinct lines with two words on every line, it'll look like poetry. But I don't think that's a bad thing. And so that's a side tangent. Aaron Morgenstern in The Starless Sea has a lot of different short stories. And there's little poems kind of hidden in the short stories. And I just, I love the, the language of it. I love, like I said, the open to interpretation, the double meanings. And I thought that that was so cool. And I like reading books like that in general when the language is, has all these nuance and double meanings because I find there's more to think about. And it's, it's just also prettier. I think my brain is more interested in that than somebody going, and then they walked over here and then they did this thing and then they talked and then they did this thing because this reason. Like when you define everything for your reader, that's great. It can be really clear. But when you want to write something more fantastical, you can kind of leave things more open. Another author that comes to mind is Rick Riordan, actually, and his Percy Jackson hmm. series. Yeah. He writes a prophecy in, I think, every book. Right. In his first, at least in the first five, he has, there's an overarching prophecy for the five, and then there's like one per book, like one per adventure they go on. And the prophecy is written in like eight lines, every two lines rhyme. And that's great. And that was really fun because it set the tone for the story. And these characters have to figure out what does it mean when it says someone won't return? And then you find out, oh, they didn't die. They just like went off to this other guy. Like they, they changed direction in their journey, you know, or mm. what does it mean? The deceptive son. They think, oh, it's the son of this guy for sure. And then it turns out, oh no, it's actually the son of this guy. We didn't even realize. Anyway, he used it as a prophecy. And in that case, it was rhymed. It was couplets. It was, you sure. know, whereas Aaron sure. Morgenstern was more free flow. Those are two I can think sure. of. Sure. One I just heard about, which I did not know, but it was funny at dinner the other night, your father says, well, you know, another great way to build the lore he's been listening to the podcast is poetry. And I said, oh, funny thing. That's actually our podcast for this week. So he mentioned the Silver Hand series by Stephen Lawhead, mm -hmm. which I have not read. I haven't either. He's, he's recommended <laughs> it my whole life. And I haven't read it. <laughs> it's probably more up my alley than yours, but either way. They use poetry in building the world and building the lore. Again, I have no connection with that book specifically, but in other in other ones I can. The Redwall series comes to mind. So if you've ever read... It always comes to mind. You like that <laughs> series a lot. So Redwall is probably the foremost book series of my childhood. But in that, there's a lot of prophecies, but then there's also a lot of looking back at history and poetry about those events, which is something that's really great for when you're building the lore. Because, I mean, even look at our own world, how many poems there are written about disasters, fantastic events that have taken place. People write poetry about it. They memorialize it. Um, and so when you're building your world, you can write a recollection of history in, in poetry format. You can write about people in poetry format. The same sort of things that we did with our history prompt, you can do with poetry. Or I guess I should say, in poetry. You can make it a, a motto for a character, almost. Something that they just happen to say. And maybe it's a two-line thing. Yeah. But maybe it's really profound. I keep using the word profound. I'm so sorry. Uh, don't put that expectation on yourself. It's too crippling. But that's the only word I can think of to mean, like, <laughs> nuanced or, like, double meaning. It doesn't have to be, like, profound or world-changing. But I, I just found one that I wrote about a roommate that actually, we don't speak anymore. That's kind of sad. But this roommate, I wrote that she's sweet as nails and tough as honey. 
So I switched the two, like sweet as honey, tough as nails. I yeah. switched the two. And I thought it was really fun. And it's fun to think about what that could mean. And if it's just a switch to be funny or if it means something more deeper than that. But think about like, that's a two line thing. What if you wrote about a character? She's such and such, such or such and yeah. such. And that's short. And someone could, even, it's, it could even be like a throwaway line, but it's fun. And your reader can chew on it for a while. Sure. And it can be revealed through the book as your character grows. Yeah, and and that kind of goes back to the prophecy side of things. Setting up character arcs or plot lines by using, you know, something like that, a throwaway line that kind of gets built out the further you grow into that character. One of my favorite ways that I've seen poetry get used, it's actually in song format, is in the Brother Band Chronicles by John Flanagan. It's kind of set in like a Norse Viking setting. And the first trilogy, I think it was written originally to be a trilogy, and then it was well-received enough that he built it into a further series. But at the end of the first trilogy, they've gone on this huge quest. They did all their training together. They got cast out of the land. They came back in glory. And when they're at this final feast in the last chapter, two of the characters from the ship write this song about their adventure. And it's probably two and a half pages or something. And it just honestly makes me laugh because it's written like an Irish pub song. Hmm. And if you've ever listened to Irish pub songs, they're a lot of quick-paced, easy rhymes with repeating choruses mm-hmm. so that everyone can jump in when they get, when they, when they get there. Sure. So the chorus is, um, the herons, the herons, mighty fighting herons, no other brother band is even half as daring, or something like that. And each line talks about, you know, what happened. And so the first half talks about the the first book and then the quest to find this thing. And what's funny about it, the thing that makes me laugh, is the people in the song are embellishing the stories and making them larger than life. And the people who actually went on the quest and have now come back are sitting there listening like, this is absolute nonsense. That's not what happened. But that's another fun thing you can do with songs, especially, is you can make things larger than life. And songs are also a really great way to make someone who might be minorly famous become majorly famous. I'm thinking of uh, the Witcher series. You know, in in the Netflix series, there's a bard who travels around with the Witcher mm-hmm. and basically just sings about his adventures. I have never seen the Witcher, so if I am wrong, feel free to correct me. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to correct you, so... <laughs> But song is another form of poetry. So that that might be something fun that you could do. You could recap what you've written so far or recap the plot line of one of your favorite books in a song and just see how it goes. It doesn't have to be an Irish pub song. Yeah, and I think, too, you don't have to make it so explicit that it's poetry. I mean, a song can be really fun. A prophecy can be really fun. And that sticks out in the text. You know, it's usually in italics and in its own section. And it's like, this is a poem now. But I just read a book, Things in Jars, by Jess Kidd. And she uses poetry in her descriptions. I think it's a bolder way to write descriptions. And it's also, I don't know how to describe it. You can insert yourself better into the situation. So I found like a nice little quote. Sir Edmund's home is an architectural grotesque, the ornate facade, the unlikely union of worship and wedding cake. A riot of musket loops, carved shells, and licorice twist chimneys, mock battlements, a first floor prow, and exuberance of portholes. On the carved stone pediment above the wide front door, Neptune cavorts with sea nymphs. The lower floor windows are festooned with theatrical swags of stone, starfish, and scallop shells. For all this, the house looks unlived in. And it's just like, there's an amazing description of this house. And it is it reads like poetry. The union of warship and wedding cake. You know, those two W's. It reads like poetry. 
and it's hidden, but it's like, here's a really rich description and now I can picture this house. Instead of saying, the first story looked like this, the second story looked like this, you know. Sure. It kind of sounds like uh, Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Twas Brillig and the Slippy Toes, or however the Jabberwocky poem goes. Yeah, the Jabberwocky is an interesting one. So we've talked about poetry in novels being in the form of a song, in the form of a prophecy, in the form of description. But let's just throw some fun ideas out there. What if you had a character who spoke only in rhyme? Would that be annoying to you? It could be really fun. I I, I hesitate to marry the idea of rhyme with the idea of poetry. I feel like not all rhyming is poetry, and not, okay. not all poetry doesn't have to rhyme. I, I want people not to get stuck on writing a poem <laughs> that rhymes. It's it's fun. I do it occasionally. I do it very occasionally. And when I do, I'm like, wow, look at me go. I made it rhyme. But I don't want people to get stuck on that. Anyway, keep going. That aside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would happen if there was a character who only spoke in rhymes not so much only spoken poetry, because I feel like that's more the fates sure. or any of those confusing, riddle-speaking... One time it was a grave digger in one of the books yeah. I read. He just spoke in these random, like, pithy sayings where I was like, wow, what a poet, this random <laughs> grave digger. I wanted to be his friend. The rest of the book sucked, though, so I'm not going to say what it was. <laughs> but the first chapter was really good. Which is kind of funny because the other character was a poet, wasn't it? Yes, wasn't it was a city of poets, which is why I picked it up. But apparently poets are tortured. I should have saw that coming. <laughs> um, but the book ended up being about a lot of tortured people who did a lot of tortured things and then they all died at the end. So it's not my favorite kind of book, but the first chapter, this poet is desperate to get published and he meets this gravedigger who keeps just spouting this wonderful wisdom in amazing lines. The poet is so desperate to get published, and he's so discouraged that he crawls into the grave where the grave digger is digging, just how they meet initially. And it's very funny. So the first chapter, totally worth it. He, he lives. He's fine. But the rest of the book is not that great. I think, to answer your question, if a character was speaking in rhymes all the time, the only time I've seen that is when it's a curse. <laughs> because I feel like nobody wants to do that. I'd be interested to see a character who does it on purpose. It's tough. Is it tough to write? It's so hard to write because you oh. have to think of all of the rhymes. Many words rhyme. Many words rhyme. But <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's what it's come down to. I, I had a character who I might still write him this way. I'm not sure yet. But in the original draft, his name is William Shakespeare Tremaine. And because his name is William Shakespeare, he's in high school. So it's at the time where these ludicrous fantasies actually take hold sometimes. He decides that he's only going to speak in rhyme. And he does so for like the first half of the book. But then they get into like this super dangerous situation. He's just like, yeah, I can't keep it up anymore. I'm running for my life. And just speak less words. Well, yeah, that's his, <laughs> that's his whole thing. He either speaks in rhyme or says one word answers. So he can say yes or no. He doesn't have to say yes, oh, Bess, you know, or something <laughs> stupid like that. But every so often he would have a, a random line of text that would end in a word that's not really rhymable and then just kind of mutter something that sort of sounded similar but had absolutely no context to the situation. Mm -hmm. it, it worked because it was a character who was trying to do it and me as a writer trying to do it could fail spectacularly and it was the character failing spectacularly not necessarily me and that played out really well but it's also you really hard You love blaming to... your character, huh? I mean, look, <laughs> they have their own life. <laughs> Oh my god. They made the choice to speak in rhyme. I didn't put that the, on them. See, this is why I can never be a writer. But anyway. There's a level of personal autonomy that your characters have to have in order to write good characters, which I should have put in a couple podcasts ago. What was it that, what did you say the other day? Oh, sometimes characters do what you don't want them to do. And I yeah. was like, but just write it differently. 
Like, just change the words. So this is this is the difference between someone who <laughs> believes in free will versus determinism. Oh my gosh. Um, I believe in free will, and well, I believe that my characters have the free will to do what uh, they want. However, that said, I oftentimes put just enough pressure on them to make sure that they do what I want. I am probably not a great god when it comes to that. But anyway, oh going back to... Going back to poetry, well, which is what theology this for you today. podcast is about. Have you ever told a story through poetry? Oh, yes. I had a really good one. I love that. I had a good one. I used to write, I had a series called the Happily Ever After series. I wrote it in the midst of my breakup because I needed to have hope. And I wrote it as a story like for when I found my happy ending. This is what it would look like. And that was kind of a story because I would post little verses little scenes basically maybe I am a writer over different (laughs) weeks but it was interesting like you know me arriving home from a bad day of work and what my husband might say to me to make me feel better I am taking notes you shouldn't (laughs) (laughs) or like you know so then actually you do this now but like in in this series I came home from a bad day of work and my husband was like let's go for a walk and then it kind of shows through the walk what happens like and how it makes me feel better and like it starts raining and it starts whatever Mm. and so that's kind of funny because we do that now go for walks when one of us isn't feeling great so yeah that's kind of was a story i guess i haven't to answer your question no i have not written a story (laughs) none of my poems are long enough well does a poem have to be long to tell a story because i mean obviously there's things like the raven by edgar Allan poe which is basically a short story written in poem format but what's the shortest story ever written it's like 10 words isn't it or five i think it's eight I think poetry is interesting that way because it's like writing a short story in that you only have a short amount of time to get your point across. But it's great because it doesn't have to have, you know, characters or plot. Did you find it? I did. Okay. The shortest, saddest story in the world is six words. It's the shoe one, right? Yes. Yes. For sale, baby shoes, never worn. Which is not as sad anymore because of our culture of consumerism. (laughs) That could just mean that, like, I bought four or five pairs for my child and they didn't get through them all before they grew up. That almost reads like poetry, though. Yeah, that, that was my point. You could write a story in poetry format mm-hmm. and have it be a couple lines and still get the point across. Um, unfortunately, I'm thinking of none of them at the moment. <laughs> One of my favorite story poems is When Daddy Fell Into the Pond. Only because one of the names that is in it is the name of my brother. And we grew up with a pond. So we would oft sing that. To your brother. chant that to, well, no, to my father, actually. Oh. So if you're looking for a, a funny poem to kind of spark a smile today, look up When Daddy Fell Into the Pond. Yeah. Or anything by Shel Silverstein. He His poetry is the opposite of mine in that it almost always does tell a story. It's and it's bright funny. and full of hope. Yeah, and it rhymes pretty yeah. consistently. And mine is just moody thoughts presented in lines that look poetish. But that's the okay. beauty of poetry. Poetry can be that. I mean, poetry can be pulling out a book and blacking out most of the pages, except for specific words. Mm-hmm. That's a form of poetry. There's mm-hmm. also this wish cheese method of the same idea. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> cheese of <You> truth. Just... <laughs> yes, I've seen that. Take the cheese and Swiss cheese. It has to be Swiss cheese. Or else you get no words at all. (laughs) And whatever words show up through the holes is what makes your poem. Do you have something you wanted to read? I didn't find the poem I mentioned at the beginning that I shoved in my college teacher's face. I didn't like this teacher for other reasons, so it's kind of coloring my my voice (laughs) of this poor teacher today. They'll never hear this. This is not what I showed to my teacher, but I found kind of what I 
view poetry as. It's funny because this is this itself is not a poem. Okay, here goes. The power of a poem is in its ambiguity. The vague curtain behind the words presents itself differently to whoever pulls them back. I know when I write, my original intentions will be lost to all but a few, and there is comfort in that. I can share myself, bear my very soul, and the ones who read it may see only a mist. The power may touch them, brushing down their spines in a whisper of profoundness. Only my kindred spirits will fully understand, those who have walked a path parallel to mine, and in the words we reach each other, if only for a moment. So I used the word profound and I almost laughed as I was reading the quote because apparently that's the only way I can describe my own poetry. I have no ego at all. Yeah, I, I liked the idea that I could be confessing something or admitting something and then you might read a poem about two geese flying through the air and that might be all you get from it. And I just, I like that anonymity. And then my family started following my poetry page. Maybe that's why I stopped writing. It's because my family was following it. I was like, they're going to commit me, I think, if I keep writing. So, I love my family. I want that on record. So at the, at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of different poetry styles. And you aren't pigeonholed into one of them. For don't this, and for this challenge for your sake don't pigeonhole yourself yeah i did say extra bonus points if you can write it in limerick format don't write it. i love limericks they are typically really funny and really silly so they are they're extra bonus points that mean nothing so yeah uh, have some fun with it if you want to take inspiration from what you've already written or a book that you love go for it or if you want to come up with something about two geese flying go for it no one's yeah. going to stop you. I have three I have three ideas to help you get started. One, find a character and figure out what's their motto. What's their two-line motto or what would someone say about them? Hmm. That's a that's one way to start, especially if you have a character you like. My other idea is find a description if you're describing a town or a house or a something and try to make it more poetical. Try to break form. Don't say what's there, but say what it feels like using metaphor. Um, and the third thing I would say is like use rhyming if it helps you. It helps anchor you, but don't get stuck. But if you do get stuck, verbs often rhyme if they are in the same tense. <laughs> so if you use running and then thinking and then those are all ings or admiration, motivation, consternation. Those are all. Wow. Those all wow. rhyme. So if you get stuck, verbs verbs are helpful, and they also sound like they have double meaning because they are action words. So those are my three ideas. And if you think you're not a poet, but you write songs, uh, you're a poet. So too bad. That's that's for you, Violet. If you're looking for other poetry to read, unfortunately, I am not allowed to share my wife's poetry handle. However, if you want to read a good friend of mine's writing, you can check out The Little Brown Notebook mm -hmm. on Instagram. Yeah, she's very good. Um, yeah, very, very sweet poetry, very classical poetry in the realm of Silverstein, Henry David Thoreau, Wadsworth. All of those kind of classical poets. So please feel free to check them out. And keep an eye on the Scrub of Worlds and the Violet Author page for our submissions. Unless, of course, they turn into epics about Gilgamesh or something like that. Oh in my which case, you probably will never see them unless they're inscribed on a stone tablet. Also, if you need uh, inspiration, something I used to do is write poems on random scraps of paper. It limits your length and also mm. it feels more inspiring because who doesn't love receipt poetry or sticky note poetry or I think little forgotten objects are great to write poetry on because they're already inspiring in and of themselves. So to finish out today, I think just a little bit of encouragement. This is one of my favorite, if not my favorite poem of all time. So please hear and uh, just soak in the words of wisdom contained. <clears throat> Don't worry if your job is small and the rewards are few. Just remember that the mighty oak was once a nut like you. 
gosh. Have fun with this. Uh, remember that your first poem might not be a sprawling oak tree, and it might be a, a little nutty. If that happens, that's okay. It's a little okay. seed. It will grow. <laughs> See, or, I'm optimistic now. Or it won't, and you'll make peanut butter out of it. Acorn butter? Acorn, well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had acorn butter. I don't think I want, I want to. But let's hold on to the hope for the seed. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great week, and Cheers. wander well.